0: Welcome back to Psych Your Crime. I'm your host, Nicole Mann. I just want to say I appreciate all the support from around the world, um, especially the New Zealand and UK listeners. You guys seem to be coming out of nowhere and catching up with the American listeners. Uh, Please at me on Twitter or Instagram. It's at Geek with your crime stories um, from New Zealand or the UK. Uh, So that anything that may not have made it to the U.S. So that I can do episodes to show my appreciation for you guys. And as always, give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening to us on. That'll help us get on those recommended lists. You can also show your support by dropping us a few dollars at our patron account at patron.com.podfiend.com forward slash Crime. Or you can make a one-time donation on Venmo at psych-your-crime. Now this week, we're going to look into the case of Samuel Bornträger, an Amish man who admitted to the murder of his wife in order to control the investigation and hide a much darker secret. Now the Amish, for those of you who are not aware, which I'm sure many of you are, but the Amish are a group of traditionalist Christian church fellowships with a Swiss-German and Anabaptist origins. They are closely related to but distinct from the Mennonite community. The Amish are known for simple living, plain dress, and a reluctance to adapt many conveniences of modern technology. The history of the Amish church began with a schism in Switzerland within a group of Swiss, and Alastian Anabaptists in 1693, led by Jakob Amon. Those who followed Amon became known as Amish. In the second half of the 19th century, the Amish divided into Old Order Amish and Amish Mennonites. The latter do not eschew motor cars, whereas the Old Order Amish retained much of their traditional culture. When people refer to the Amish today, they normally refer to the Old Order Amish. In early 18th century, many Amish and Mennonites immigrated to Pennsylvania for a variety of reasons. Now today, the Old Order Amish, the New Order Amish, and the Old Beachy Amish continue to speak Pennsylvania German, also known as Pennsylvania Dutch. Although two different Alimianic dialects are used by Old Order Amish in Adams and Allen counties in Indiana. Amish church membership begins with baptism, usually between the ages of 16 and 23. It is a requirement for marriage within the Amish church. Once a person is baptized within the church, he or she may marry, but only within the faith. Church districts have between 20 and 40 families and worship services are held every other Sunday in a member's home. The district is led by a bishop and several ministers and deacons. The rules of the church, the Ordon, must be observed by every member and cover many aspects of day-to-day living, including prohibitions or limitations on the use of power line electricity, telephones and automobiles, as well as regulations on clothing. Most Amish do not buy commercial insurance or participate in Social Security. As present-day Anabaptists, Amish church members practice non-resistance and will not perform any type of military service. The Amish value rural life, manual labor, and humility, all under the auspices of living what they interpret to be God's Word. Members who do not conform to the community's expectations and who cannot be convinced to repent are excommunicated. In addition to excommunication, members may be shunned, a practice that limits social contacts to shame the wayward member into returning to the church. Almost 90% of Amish teenagers choose to be baptized and join the church. During an adolescent period of Romspringa, which translates to running around, in some communities, non-conforming behavior that would result in shunning of an adult who had made the permanent commitment of baptism may be met with a degree of forgiveness. Amish church groups seek to maintain a degree of separation from the non-Amish world, American and Canadian societies. Non-Amish people are generally referred to as the English. Generally, a heavy emphasis is placed on church and family relationships. The Amish typically operate their own one-room schools and discontinue formal education after the eighth grade at around age 13 or 14. Until the children turn 16, they have vocational training under the tutelage of their parents or community leaders. Higher education is generally discouraged as it can lead to social segregation and the unraveling of the community. However, some Amish women have used higher education to obtain nursing certifications so they can provide midwifery services to their communities. Though splits happened among the Old Order in the 19th century in Mifflin County, Pennsylvania, a major split among the Old Orders took until World War I. At the time, two very conservative affiliations emerged. The Swartzentruber Amish in Holmes County, Ohio and the Bucanonan Amish in Iowa. The Bucanonan Amish soon were joined by like-minded congregations all over the country. With World War I came a massive suppression of the German language in the U.S. that eventually led to the language shift of most Pennsylvania German speakers, leaving the Amish and other old orders as almost the only speakers by the end of the 20th century. This created a language barrier around the Amish that did not exist before that. In in the late 1920s, more change-minded faction of the Old Order Amish that wanted to adopt the car broke away from the mainstream and organized under the name the Beachy Amish. During the Second World War, the old question of military service for the Amish came up again. Because Amish young men in general refused military service, they ended up in civilian public service where they worked mainly in forestry and hospitals. The fact that many young men worked in hospitals where they had a lot of contact with more progressive Mennonites and the outside world had the result that many of these men never joined the Amish church. In the 1950s, the beachy Amish transformed into an evangelical church. The ones who wanted to preserve the old way of the Beechy became the old Beechy Amish. Until about 1950, almost all Amish children attended small local non-Amish schools. But then, school consolidation and mandatory schooling beyond eighth grade caused Amish opposition. Amish communities opened their own schools. In 1972, The United States Supreme Court exempted Amish students from compulsory education past 8th grade. By the end of the 20th century, almost all Amish children attended Amish schools. In the last quarter of the 20th century, a growing number of Amish men left farm work and started small businesses because of increasing pressure on small-scale farming. Though a wide variety of small businesses exist among the Amish, Construction work and woodworking are quite widespread, and many Amish settlements, especially the larger ones, farming is now the minority. Approximately 12,000 of the 40,000 dairy farms in the United States are Amish-owned as of 2018. Until the early 20th century, Old Order Amish identity was not linked to the use of technologies as the Old Order Amish and the rural neighbors used the same farm and household technologies. Questions about the use of technologies also did not play a role in the Old Order division of the second half of the 19th century. Telephones were the first important technology that was rejected, soon followed by the rejection of cars, tractors, radios, and many other technological inventions of the 20th century. However, currently, Roughly 97% of American Amish groups use motorized washing machines, while 90% use pressurized lamps, 75% use chainsaws, and 70% have running water and flushing toilets. The Amish are known for their plain attire. Men wear solid colored shirts, broad-brimmed hats, and suits that signify similarity amongst one another. Amish men grow beards to symbolize manhood marital status, and promote humility. They are forbidden to grow mustaches because mustaches are seen by the Amish as being affiliated with the military, which they are strongly opposed to due to their pacifist beliefs. Women have similar guidelines on how to dress which are expressed in the ORDAP, the Amish version of legislation. They are to wear calf-length dresses, muted colors along with bonnets and aprons, Prayer caps or bonnets are worn by the women because they are a visual representation of their religious beliefs and promote unity through the tradition of every woman wearing one. The color of the bonnet signifies whether a woman is single or married. Single women wear black bonnets and married women wear white. The color coding of the bonnets is important because women are not allowed to wear jewelry such as wedding rings as it is seen as drawing attention to the body, which can induce pride in the individual. All clothing is sewn by hand, but the way to fasten the garment widely depends on whether the Amish person is part of the New Order or the Old Order Amish. Old Order Amish seldom, if ever, use buttons because they are seen as too flashy. Instead, they use the hook and eye approach to fashion or metal snaps. The New Order Amish are slightly more progressive and allow the use of buttons. Now, in January of 2016, Barron County Sheriffs were shocked when Samuel Borntraker, a leader and cabinet maker in a small local Amish community, came in and confessed to the killing of his first wife, Anna, nearly 10 years earlier in Missouri. Barron County is in Kentucky. Traeger told the police that he had poisoned his wife with antifreeze. The two married when Anna was 21 and Samuel was 24. Many people saw Anna as extremely naive and good natured. Within five years, the couple had five children together the youngest just 10 months old, when Anna died at the age of 26. They were living on a farm in an Amish community northwest of the small town of Bethany, Missouri. Born Borentrager had a cabinet tree shop, and his parents also lived on the property where they ran an Amish store. Shortly after the birth of their youngest child, Anna fell sick. The once bubbly and energetic woman was almost entirely bedridden. So Trigger did something completely unheard of in the Amish community. He hired their children a nanny, a young woman by the name of Mary. Most people suspected that Anna had liver problems, but since they didn't prescribe to modern medicine, nothing was really done. By the time Anna died, it was ruled natural causes. Within a year of Anna's death, He had married Mary and moved to Kentucky with his children, where he quickly had five more children. He also saw his dream of becoming an Amish minister come true, which is why it was so shocking when Bortrager confessed 10 years later. Initially telling investigators that he used antifreeze, the Amish leader stated that this was weighing on his soul and he had to get it out. Born Trigger stated that he had fallen out of love with his wife and due to the fact that he did not believe in divorce, he felt that murder was his only option. He was arrested and held without bond while waiting for extradition to Missouri. During this time period, the Harrison County Medical Examiner in Missouri exhumed Anna's body. An autopsy was done on her remains, and what they found did not match the story Borntrigger had told investigators. So, when he returned to Missouri, he found himself faced with some tough questions. Like, how did he explain the extraordinarily high levels of acetaminophen or aspirin in her system? Levels so high they bordered overdose. Yes she was poisoned with aspirin as well as antifreeze. And there was more. She was also poisoned with battery acid. After hours of speaking to investigators in Harrison County, Borentrieger finally admitted that first, he tried to poison Anna with aspirin, but after several months of her being extremely ill, It seemed to not work, so he switched to antifreeze, and after several more months of her just being ill, he thought that that wasn't working. So even though experts believe that Anna was probably close to death and going to die at any moment, Born Trigger injected battery acid into her rectum, so... He poisoned her for months with aspirin. Then he poisoned her for months with antifreeze. And when both of those seemed to be taking too long, he finished her off with battery acid. You have to understand that all of these are extremely painful and they all cause massive internal damage. So this woman was suffering for months, almost an entire year to the point where she was bedridden for the majority of this time frame. So this man was just absolutely horrible to this woman. Harrison County prosecutors charged Born Trigger with first-degree murder. He was given a $250,000 cash-only bond, and that is when the other shoe dropped. As he sat in jail, several women came forward from within his former Amish community, telling fantastic stories about Born Trigger's time in Missouri Apparently, he had been working as a homeopath, specializing in chiropractic services. Several young women came to him with various minor ailments. Many of them were teens. Born Traeger would take pulley straps and tie one side to their arms and one, and one side to their legs. The other side of each set he would tie to a pulley and stretch them. Does it sound painful? Well, it should, because it's basically a makeshift version of the rack, a medieval torture device that was used to tear people in half. Women stated that it was extremely painful, and one woman remembered being stretched until the seams of her dress ripped open. But that wasn't all. He also told women he had to rub ointment on their chests in order to open up their lungs. You know, like vapor rub. But then he would proceed to use this as an excuse to grope their breasts. Even worse was his ruse of telling girls that their uteruses had moved and needed to be realigned. And then he would proceed to touch them in a manner that the Amish would have never allowed, especially since most of these were minors and unmarried young women. And it turns out one of these women was married. Born Trigger's current wife. It was one of these sessions that allowed him to become physical with her and start a sexual relationship. Now, remember, as an Amish woman or young woman, sex before marriage was absolutely not allowed. So starting a sexual relationship with her was unheard of and something that would never be accepted within the Amish community. She did end up telling her brother about what had happened, and he went to Anna as she's his wife. It's her responsibility to go to the community and let them know, hey, my husband is doing something wrong, you know, or, you know, it's it's up to her. And apparently he told her shortly before that final injection of battery acid. Now, it's around this time that these women started to come forward that a hearing was scheduled about lowering his bond. Now, not only did he lose this hearing, but he's also informed that he could be facing further charges, and that's when he decides to take a plea deal. He pleads guilty to second-degree murder. Now, he was originally charged with first-degree murder, but took the plea bargain offered by the state which reduced the charge and included a 25-year sentence. It also allowed him to avoid any sex abuse charges. Now, the Cheriton County judge, Terry Tishman, sentenced him, but not before he delivered a few words. Your wife trusted you and believed she was safe with you. You broke that trust when you took her life. The judge stated that this was a heinous act and not one place in your confession do you express regret or sorrow. I don't see the words I'm sorry. Not once do I see I'm sorry for what I did, the judge stated. Now, that's it for the story of Samuel Boyd I hope you join us again in two weeks for the first of our series on holiday crimes. Starting with a family massacre that was 20 years in the making. In the meantime, I hope you sleep better knowing the how and why people do such awful things.